Hello, welcome to the Healing of Emotional Wounds podcast series. My name is Alan Mulhan. Let me remind you of where we're up to on this survey of the healing of emotional wounds. Healing is a natural intelligence in the psyche and the task of the therapist is to help unleash its potential. We've outlined four stages of psychotherapy. Stage one, the containment and comprehension, is fairly straightforward. The second is widely covered in the literature, that is the analysis, and is the main emphasis of the trainings of each school or orientation. However, I would like to add the distinction between the following broad categories which the therapist would be advised to pay attention to. That is, establishing if the client belongs in any of the following categories. First of all, neurosis, where surely most of us belong, according to the psychoanalysts, which is where we have a disturbance suffering in a particular location of the psyche. It is localised, but large parts of the psyche are free and can operate without impediment. Secondly, character disorder, where the disturbance is more severe and tends to permeate large parts of the character, such as a significant depressive disorder, for example. Thirdly, borderline disturbances, which are even more severe and are on the border of psychosis and are characterised by dramatic shifts in mood between dark and light, sudden disturbances which affect the whole of the psyche, that is, they're globalised throughout the psyche for a period Narcissistic disorders next, whereby the damage to the self, often in early childhood, results in either grandiose and compensatory reactions, or the opposite, where the self is inherently damaged and depleted. And finally, psychosis, whereby the client suffers from extensive disorders in the psyche, such as deep fragmentations and splitting, which occupy the whole of the psyche for considerable periods of time, sometimes permanently, and remove the client from any contact with reality. These distinctions, of course, affect the ability of clients to work psychologically and the ability to integrate the material that is dealt with. Stage three is the alignment to the deep psyche, and to this we paid particular attention, basing our analysis on Jung's transcendent function, its stated aim being to elicit the contents of the unconscious and work with them so the psyche can be transformed and move closer to the self. Now we are examining stage four, the integration process, which in turn divides into three parts. The first is the evaluation of the health of the material that comes from the deep psyche. The second is the ability to work psychologically with the material from the unconscious. And I now wish to examine the final stage, which is the movement towards a new centre of personality and identity. Healing requires listening to the deep psyche, attuning to its images and communications. There is intelligence in the depth of the psyche, which can redirect the conscious self so it realigns itself towards its basic nature and healing functions. Examples have been given of how such information and intelligence is communicated through dreams and inner visions. A temporary suspension of both the ego and analytic processing is required here, for if operative, they block the awareness of the deeper psyche. The analytic stance 
typical of the higher functions, may aggressively cancel out the free-flowing image, metaphor, symbol-producing deeper psyche. Nevertheless, these more conscious functions, concentrated in the ego, play an important role in the full healing process, for they are vital to the work of integration. Both the ego and deep psyche are required for this process. Healing is rarely an instant matter. It is true that the deep psyche is capable of giving information and energy for cure in dreams or visionary material, but it is another matter for the adaptation required to be carried out. For this to happen, there needs to be a change of character. The reformed ego is essential for the full healing process, since it is the subjective centre of consciousness and its personality components. This is the third step of the integration process and is as important as the previous ones. There are cases of those who progress through the first two stages of integration, possessing healthy material from the deep psyche, being able to work psychologically with it, yet cannot complete the integration process because of the essential requirement for reformation of character. Here is an example of such a case. Let's look at someone I'll call Beatrice who was creative, outwardly strong and a natural leader. Nevertheless, she was given to frequent collapses in which she suffered a complete loss of energy, lack of any belief in herself and an incapacity to work or engage in social relationships. After a few sessions of therapy, we had identified two causes of the problem. First, a bipolar temperament. Secondly, she had suffered at a young age from an absence of the mother and a temporary adoption. An insecurity and depression lay within her, covered over by other apparently stronger features of her personality that were partly genuine character traits and partly compensations for her wound. Beatrice had the following dream. I am trying to ascend a mountain and lead a team to the top. I pass by many crevices and dangers. However, I come to an impassable barrier whereupon I collapse in despair, only to find a small goat which is frightened and agitated. I give comfort and it quietens. I wonder about the meaning of this and then hear a voice. Find the centre and be still. Comments. Dreams frequently produce a dramatic plot or scene to describe the psyche's situation. Beatrice is forever taking on mountainous projects. Having highlighted her restless condition, the dream proceeds to describe her inevitable collapse. However, it also points to the way out of this complex. It presents a scene of the dreamer with a young goat, an innocent and helpless part of herself, like an inner child, describing the condition of this part of Beatrice's personality, her neglected young feelings, up to now repressed by her superwoman protective fantasies. Like a fairy tale, the dream now shows that if she can take care of this part of her inner world, she will receive advice which can help her resolve her lifelong dilemma. If only she can find the way to be still, instead of moving from one project to the next. The dreamer is fortunate to have her own inner voice, which can present this possibility to her consciousness in such forceful, simple, almost biblical terms. However, a few years later, when Beatrice returned to therapy, 
she was still dreaming comparable dreams. It proved very difficult to change her compulsions, despite her realizations of the forces driving her. Realization is only one early part of the process of integration, typical of step two. Here is a psyche compensating for its wounds by certain defences, energetic projects which affirm her identity. Character change proved difficult at this stage of her life. Nevertheless, the material from the conscious is healthy. It is diagnostically accurate and with a precise prescription, to use medical terminology. The dream diagnoses her condition and gives a prescription. Find the centre and be still. It is also condensed and entertaining, not the symptoms of a defeated or unhealthy psyche. Integration ultimately implies detailed work of character reformation, a change in identity structure. This implies greater access to the underlying emotional structure underpinning the ego, which undergoes change, thereby stimulating character reform and development. The ego identity structure does not change unless the underlying emotional structure changes. What begins and sustains this change is the power of awareness. Self-reflectivity is the essence of the process. This is the normal but extraordinary process of psychotherapy, which seeks, therefore, to reinforce self-awareness by becoming more conscious of the underlying emotional structure, its complexes, difficulties and healing possibilities. It then helps promote change within this structure. The work of personal development necessitates an intense process of integration, which takes time, effort and considerable courage. Quick solutions are rarely available, especially when the emotional wounds are serious. In order to observe this process of integration, how lengthy it can be, how it must pass through different stages, how the process advances and then retreats, and how a new centre of personality is formed, let us examine the following case of Helen. I call it the capacity to integrate. Helen came to see me in a state of suffering. Painful emotions have surfaced and are disrupting the functioning of her ego, causing distress, anxiety and mood swings. Her marriage is in great difficulty since her husband is having an affair. This central relationship, up to now supporting her sense of identity, is fractured. Her emotional foundations, her sense of security, of being wanted, special and loved, have been rocked. Her ego is therefore weakened. She attempts to restore equilibrium by repairing the damage to her relationship. Early in psychotherapy, she suspects that her critical attitude has contributed to her marital problems. We explore how she is highly critical of almost everybody. She is now obliged to question her attitude, understand the harm it can do. She may have to empathise with her husband and see how difficult it has been to live with her. Her critical attitude, internalised from her early years, is not going to disappear in the early psychotherapy sessions. Knowledge of her inner world has to develop, and clearly this will take time. Awareness of her critical attitude first emerges through stories from her family life. I link it to other stories she has told me of being let down by friends, 
all pointing to the same feature of her personality, her hypercritical attitude and excessively high standards. She has to think about this, let this point of view settle deeply. Otherwise, it stays an intellectual hypothesis. No change will occur. She begins to watch herself in her family and social relationships, talk to friends and those in whom she confides, to see if they agree that she is overcritical. She returns to the therapy and discusses it further. Integration takes time, because layers of the personality are involved, and a challenge to the conscious attitude is posed. The more ingrained the attitude, the deeper the problem and the longer it takes to change. This process of realising the strength of her attitude and how it influenced her own character and current relationships took months to unfold. Its realisation did affect significant change in her marriage dynamic and this couple came together again. Nevertheless, the process of realisation was not accomplished at this first stage. Its integration with the rest of her character structure was partial. She might have stopped for the moment criticising her husband and immediate family, but when life returned to normal, so did she. Her old attitudes, deeply ingrained, regained control. She returns to therapy. The marriage had improved, but her critical disposition is still dominant. The difference now is she is aware of this feature of her character and somewhere she knows it is a problem. It needs questioning and challenging, yet she is possessed by it. Her integration process has reached a certain stage. It has not penetrated her emotional foundations, and therefore has not altered substantially her character structure. Reforming this emotional complex, the whole process of realisation and integration, will take time, and involve different stages of the work. I remind her how she can be critical in the interchange in the therapy, sometimes criticising me for not meeting the standard she expects. We revisit the times when this attitude was observed, and Helen is encouraged to explore her inner world, and to her surprise finds an image of her father's face full of anger and fear. She is puzzled and makes family inquiries, learning her father grew up angry with his own father because he was a failure and brought shame to the family. In an effort to eliminate these feelings, he brought up his own children with excessive rigour and high standards. He was fearful of failure. She integrated this attitude since she was close to him. She realises she was also fearful of her father and did not wish to fail him, so she adopted very high standards at school with her friends and in the general aspirations of her life, and also with her husband. This information, with its consequent feelings, took some months to integrate. Firstly, there is the family story itself, with its complexity of opposites, feelings of shame and failure, followed by a fear of them, and then a defensive response, a determination to apply high standards and not let this failure grip the family again. The critical attitude can be understood as a defensive response which moulds the personality around the hidden core feelings of shame and failure. The shadow of the family is at the foundation of this. Secondly, there is the relationship between father and daughter and the bringing into consciousness of that component 
whereby she internalizes the values of her father with their emotional components of fear and shame, deeply motivating her father and passed on to the daughter. This came to partly form her character. It became integrated at a young age. It would therefore take time to deintegrate, to loosen from her character structure. Perhaps it would never detach entirely, but it could be opposed by an opposite force within her personality. This begins with the heightening of awareness within her, which opposes the unconscious dominance of the old pattern. Integration proceeds, therefore, to the extent she deintegrates the old patterns and integrates new ways of thinking. This process of character reform and change must pass through stages. There is progress and retreat in this process. During the struggle within her, the relationship with me, her therapist, is central, since the working alliance and trust form the platform for the realisation and integration process. Eventually, the work deepens to a pure kind of self-reflectivity. Instead of engaging with other figures in her inner and outer world, such as her father and her husband, she begins to look closely at her own self, how it is composed. She has the following series of dreams. First, she loses a kitten on the way to school. Second, a child is in danger. And thirdly, there is a beautiful man whom she wanted to be with, but he was ripped in half by a wild animal. The interpretation of these dreams came from the growing knowledge of her complexes. The lost kitten symbolises her tender young feelings, which became repressed as she strove towards intellectual and academic advancement. They also represent something alive in her today. The next dream shows a development of the kitten symbol into a young human being who is in danger. The youthful part of herself, symbolising hope, freshness, playfulness, spontaneity and innocence, is threatened by her critical intellect. The third dream shows in symbolic form not only what happens to her real relationships with men, but also what happens to her inner world. It gets split in two by the force of her critical attitude. Softer feelings are cut off. Some comments. Integration of deep material requires a passage through various levels of awareness and identity structure, leading to character change. All of the requirements for the full integration process were present in Helen's case. Access to healthy contents of the deep psyche, the capacity to work psychologically, and the ability to reform her character, hence her progress and successful use of therapy. Her capacity for self-reflection and her honesty in facing her inner conflicts were excellent. She proved willing to listen, consider other viewpoints and question herself. She worked very well with her unconscious and proved capable of grasping her complexes and the forces that drove her. She was capable of expressing her feelings and digging deep into the material of the psyche. Her integration capacities were good since all the material emerging from her inner explorations proved of great value. She was capable of gradually changing the role and dominance of character components of her psyche, especially her critical attitude, understanding its roots and origins. Character transformation was therefore evident. The process of integration is therefore arduous, 
but possible within the context of appropriate psychotherapy focused on character reform. The healing of the rift between herself and her husband was possible as she healed the family wound in herself. We have now considered the three parts of the integration process, considered positively. In our next podcast, we will examine the difficulties and sometimes impossibility of healing due to the inability or problems with integration. I hope you can join us then.